I have a little different prayer for Austin and Aaron that I'd like you to join me in, and that is that they would repent of this sin that they are obviously walking in um, to, uh, to leave us. <coughs> Just kidding. Um, Austin and Aaron, I have um, another word for you, but it's going to be embedded in the middle of my sermon. And uh, so uh, don't fall asleep uh, or you'll, you'll miss it. So kind of crazy that, um, that on the same day that Austin and Aaron are saying their goodbyes, we have an announcement of a family that is joining us. So would you celebrate, celebrate with me God's incredible work. Brittany and Jordan Ward have agreed to come to Houston. They will be here within a month. So uh, start uh, reaching out to them and asking them how you can help them in the process. And uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly uh, where, what they're going to do housing-wise, but uh, if you have a, a way to offer them to live in your house with you, then uh, <laughs> offer that as well. Um, okay. Well, hey, happy Father's Day to all you fathers and grandfathers. I got some sweet, sweet notes from grandkids um, this morning that were just incredibly sweet and blessed me um, deeply. So um, way to go, dads. Let me just pray over uh, all of the dads to this uh, evening as we get started. Father, I just thank you that you are the kind of father that if we could pick a father, the perfect father, it would be you. There is nothing about you as a father that lacks, that's incomplete, that's unloving, that is not perfect. So we thank you for your loving kindness, for your perfection as a father. We, uh, we look forward to being able to walk in the, just the beauty of, of being your children and, uh, and, and just having an earthly father that is a heavenly father that is so absolutely perfect. So would you just bless all of the fathers in our body, all the grandfathers in our body, and would you just give them a sense of just how, how much joy you have um, in being their heavenly father. So we just pray all that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I did, in fact, uh, tell Austin and Aaron to take however much time you want, and I'll shave my message uh, down to uh, make room for that. So um, we will be out of here by seven o'clock tonight. Um, <clears throat> so last week marked an important toggle in our study of Ephesians. We crossed over the first half of the book, having covered chapters one through three, which we saw, uh, where we saw who we are as God's children and what we've uh, received, what is our identity in Christ in this new kingdom of God. We ended chapter three with Jake leading us through one of the most powerful prayers in the Bible by Paul, that we should not only know the love of Christ in our head, 
but that we should experience it beyond knowledge, which is the perfect lead-in to chapter 4. Because 4, 5, and 6 are going to basically be the, the chapters that say, okay, if that's who we are in Christ, how should we then live? And he starts chapter 4 with a topic. He, he just dives right into the deep end of the water and, and, uh, and goes into the topic of unity within the body of Christ. One of the most challenging issues of our day and of, I think, even Jesus's day. I think that that's why Jesus included it in John 17 in his final prayer where he prayed that, that, the, that his children would be unified because he knew how difficult that was going to be and how important that it was going to be. So here's a story um, of how difficult this can be to achieve unity in the body of Christ, okay? So two men are standing on a bridge. One is about to jump off, and the other is trying to talk him out of it. The man asked the jumper, so are you a Christian, a Hindu, a Jew, or what? The jumper replies, I'm a Christian. The man says, hey, small world, me too. So are you Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox? The jumper answers, Protestant. The man replies, me too. Well, what denomination? The jumper says, Baptist. The man replies, me too. Southern Baptist or Northern Baptist? The jumper answers, Northern Baptist. The man replies, me too. So Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? The jumper answers, Northern Conservative Baptist. The man replies, me too. So Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region? or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region? The man replies, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. Me too. So Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region Council of 1912? The jumper answers, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region Council of 1912. The man then pushes the jumper off the bridge and screams, die, heretic. <laughs> you know, I, I guess that story makes us feel better that at least we wouldn't push the guy off the bridge, right? But where am I on the die, heretic part? Because we do have a tendency to be critical, judgmental, and narrow, oftentimes. You know, I think it could be helpful for us to say that what we are building here at Hope Church is not a community that all agrees 100% on every point of the Bible, but we are striving to be united in our love, commitment, and obedience to Christ. As we said last week, unity is difficult but possible, or Jesus wouldn't have prayed that we would experience it in John 17. So, 
in our scripture, verse seven said, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. One Bible translation worded it a little different. It, they said it this way. It, it said, the grace was given according to the munificence of Christ. I was kind of taken back by that word munificence when I saw that. Looking it up, it means lavish generosity. According to the lavish generosity of Christ's gift. I love that phrase, lavish generosity. I think that describes Jesus very beautifully. So the next time somebody does something generous for you, just thank them for their munificence. And this is for you, Austin and Aaron, because your munificence has been incredible toward Hope Church, and it has been awe-inspiring. Your lavish generosity of what you have given to our body in your time, heart, effort, money, your servant heart has just been over the top. And um, so your lavish generosity is just beautiful. So, Paul, tell us a little bit more about this lavish generosity of Christ. Verse 8 says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying that he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So scholars seem to have differing thoughts on the nuances of what all's going on in those three verses, but most all agree that Paul is referring to Psalms 68 and a practice that when a king conquered another city or people group, he would often bring captives with him back to his city and he would use the captured gold, silver, and spoils of victory to give gifts to his people. So the reference seems to be reminding the Ephesians of part of the gospel that Jesus was with the Father before he came to earth. Then after his victory over sin and death on the cross, he ascended back to be with the Father and he too in his victory gave gifts to men. And that's what we're zeroing in on tonight. In that victory over sin and death, what was that lavish generosity of him giving gifts to you and me? What are these gifts and why did he give them? Verse 11 says, and he gave the uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So these gifts that he's mentioned so far are not the only gifts that the Father gives, but in this case, when God gives gifts, he's giving people 
as, as a gift. The leaders of the church are a gift. You'll see in just a minute that he doesn't just give leaders as gifts. You know, that might stir up something in you when you hear that. It could stir up gratitude that God would actually give the body of Christ the leaders that it needs. And maybe you've been blessed and helped as a result of those gifts over your life. And yet, for some of you, it may stir up the opposite, maybe some anxiety or skepticism because you've been abused by spiritual leaders. For those of you in that camp, I am really sorry that you have had to walk through that. That is painful and wrong, and you are suffering as a result of that. And I believe that Jesus has a lot of compassion for you in that pain and some hard words for abusers. What else does Paul want to say as to why gifts were given to Christ's body? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So why these gifts from God given to us to bring Christ's body to greater unity and maturity. So many of you are, are in this category of leaders, especially when you include that word that he gave, he gave some as shepherds, because many of you are shepherding in our body whether it may be discipleship groups or with our kids. Many, many, many of you have been involved in shepherding our children. One of the highest callings in a church, to shepherd the children, to shepherd the next generation, to build into the next generation. It's beautiful. So what does, says, it uses that phrase, deceitful schemes, that we, are, we should avoid deceitful schemes. What does that sound like? Doesn't that sound something related to Satan's schemes? Second Corinthians 2 says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs or schemes. We have an enemy, and he is trying to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10. So we all have to stay alert to his schemes trying to bring harm to Jesus' body. Paul, what else would you have us to understand about these gifts and about unity? Verse 15 Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way 
into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grows so that it builds itself up in love. You know, if, if you were noticing that up to this point, Paul's comments seem to relate primarily to leaders in the church at Ephesus, that the gifts are providing leaders. You may wonder, did Jesus give gifts to the rest of the body and good news, everyone has received a gift, one or more than one. So let's finish this conversation about unity with one more passage that I think is critical to our understanding out of 1 Corinthians. Listen to these reflections on the unity of the body and how gifts the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts he's given to each of us play into this. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong in the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, catch this phrase, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Sound familiar? Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You know, there's a handful of different verses in the New Testament that refer to spiritual gifts. And, and virtually every one of these lists has a different listing of the number of gifts and the specific gifts. So we can't just narrow it down and say, okay, these are the five, these are the eight, these are the 10 gifts that we're dealing with because there's over, probably over 20 when you look at all these different passages that talk about these gifts. But God is so amazing in how he designed the body to work giving each of us specific roles to play with our giftedness. Not to make us look good or give us a sense of being important, but to build up one another. So the purpose of the gifts 
is so that we can grow in maturity, build up the body of Christ and love each other uniquely and love each other well. You know, if you've been to Stacy and I's marriage workshop before, which was announced that it is coming up this Saturday and there is still room for you to sign up if you do it today, um, then you know that a powerful biblical principle in marriage is Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And applying that into your marriage. A marriage will generally not work well for the, over the long haul if, if that principle is missing. If it's not being, if it's not one of the core biblical principles that you've wrapped your arms around and you've learned how to implement it and you've learned how to live it out, it, it, it will make your marriage rough throughout. But what's interesting is, is that I think when you see that um, in 1 Corinthians 12, I think Paul might actually say, well, you know, that, that concept of rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, that's not really a marriage principle, but a, a body of Christ principle. It's highlighted here as one of the keys for us as a body to be and stay united. Let me speak to you that are in junior high and high school. I want you to please hear me loud and clear on this. This concept of God, of Christ, being exalted to the heavens and giving gifts, spiritual gifts, to the body is not just for adults. This does not happen when you turn 18. And, and you have a ton of gifting as a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old. You are a part of the body and you've been blessed with spiritual gifts and they are needed, they're important, they're valuable. And so wrestle with that. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, if you don't know how you fit into the body, ask your parents, ask your youth leader. Ask Austin and Aaron before they get out of town to tell you, okay, I've hung out with you for the last year or two. Who am I? What is my gifting? What have you seen in me? And Austin and Aaron will bless you before they leave town with their wisdom and their understanding of who you are and how you fit into the body. This is so critical because if, if you don't connect as a student, if you're not connecting with the body in this way, you're going to feel alone and often at times depressed, which I think is one of the reasons why so many high school kids are struggling with depression and why the suicide rate is at an all-time high in our country with high school kids. 
as the uh, music team comes back up to wrap up, I want to ask you to um, just spend a couple of minutes while the music is playing in the background to process with God. Some of what we've talked about last week and this week about unity in the body and spiritual gifts and, and your gifting. God may want to speak to you some clarity even now about the gift he has given you. You know, if you're new to Hope Church and you're ready to jump right in and you don't know what your gifting is but you want to test the water, I would really encourage you to jump in to the youth ministry. There's a, there's a, a huge opportunity now with us preparing for the fall semester. And... Um, We've got a, a lot of opportunity there. And so many of you would be just outstanding role models to love on our youth. You know, he may, he may want to speak a word over you of encouragement to you of how you have been using your gift that he's given you so well. You may not have even thought about it as, as you're using your gift. You just may have thought, well, this is a way I'm just giving and serving. But I would bet that it's probably a way that, that God has, Jesus has given you a gift and you're using it. He may want to speak a word to you about how you could build unity with a specific person in our body. One of the ladies in our body came up to Stacy recently and said, Stacy, you said something recently, and I'm not 100% sure if I really understood what you meant by what you said. And rather than assuming something and maybe being wrong I just want to ask let's talk about it and they processed it they got it out they cleared the air everything was was brought to clarity and unity we got a lot of assumptions going on in our relationships in our marriages in our families but also in, a, in the body where somebody says something or does something and we assume something and sometimes in our flesh and in our worst day, we, we may even assume the worst about their motive and what they were doing and why they were doing it. We've got to press against that and say, no, I'm, I'm going to actually go to them. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to bring it up and just ask. What did that mean? What should I understand about what you did or said? Because I want 
to press into and fight for unity. I want to fight to live out the John 17 prayer of Jesus that our body may be unified. Austin and Aaron are just a beautiful example of how the unity of our body has in so many ways worked well. I suspect that as we move into our new building, we very likely could grow and, and, and that could cause some tension and some difficulty within our unity. So the timing of this, these two messages, the timing of this is, is critical, it's beautiful, that we, that we prepare ourselves to fight for unity. As we said last week, unity is difficult, but it's possible. Or Jesus wouldn't have asked, he wouldn't have prayed, he wouldn't have said, you can do it. We can do it. Start with your family, start with your marriage, and then let it spread out. So, fa so Father, we just uh, pray that you would speak to us right now, even in the next minute or two, as we just listen to the music and pray, would you just speak to each of us about this issue of unity? What's the next step for me in this journey of unity? <laughs>